Hey, everybody. Welcome to Shadow Work Library. On today's episode, we have Richard Millette. And he is, if you haven't checked out one of my previous episodes on astrology, he is the astrologer to the stars. And by stars, I mean, well, we're all stars. So he's an astrologer for the people. <laughs> um, Richard, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Jessica. You know, I had so much fun last time and I'm very excited for today. So thank you so much. So are we. All right, let's dive right into it. Uh, let's start with a little bit of a recap of 2021. What do you have for us? Oh my gosh. Well, you know, so we can, you, you can kind of guide me, you can cut me off, but I'm just going to start talking because there's so much to talk about. So at first we had talked about doing a, a, a review or uh, a session on the second half of 2021. Mm-hmm. And I, well, you know, I'm going to do a review of the first half first. And I think it's just good to come back to the beginning because everything flows, right? Astrology doesn't know time the same way that we do. And so it's so it's many of the cycles and the lessons of 2021 kind of repeated in the beginning and the middle and the end. Okay, so that's great. The story of 2021 actually begins at the end of 2020 when we had the grand conjunction between Saturn and Jupiter. And many people knew about that and were able to to see it with telescopes and binoculars was a big show at zero degrees uh, of Aquarius on the winter solstice of 2021, December 21st. That was really, really important for a lot of reasons. And we could spend an hour just talking about that, you know? So it was so cool because Jupiter and Saturn only come together every 20 years. And the fact that it came together at zero degrees of a new sign is very significant. Just that, zero degrees. And the fact that it was right on the winter solstice, which is one of the four powerful times of the year, right? And in Aquarius too. So it really is one of the big pushes or waves into the magic of Aquarius and to the new age of Aquarius too, that event was like so big on its own. And uh, just one more little bit uh, info about that. Uh, you, I think maybe you heard about that. I learned last year that the Jupiter-Saturn cycle is an 800-year cycle. Wow. So 200 years, they come together every 20 years for a 200-year period in the same element. The last 200 years was in the Earth. Taurus, Virgo, Capricorn, we had been so collectively, you know, kind of like connected to, to the earth and to the physical realms, right? And digging and mining. I'll think of the construction and the building we've done in the last 200 years. So there's a shift now uh, beginning at that time for a new 200-year cycle in air signs, thinking more of the mental realms, So that's a huge shift that began actually before 2021. Great. So if we were to then reflect back to where we were and was that, did you say it was December or? December 21st, 2020. What should we look back to see what, what had started for us or how does that work? Well, we we can just talk about the, the magic of the sign Aquarius as a, as a starting point. Mm -hmm. And so, because uh, there's so many, indicators and and planetary cycles involving Aquarius, uh, especially this year and more and more. So, you know, it's it's the air, right? But Aquarius is a fixed air sign. 
So it's really about sustaining and maintaining and persevering with a certain idea for a long time. So there's a lot of power and magic about, it, about that. Aquarius is the sign of the, the rebel. <laughs> there's a lot of that going on. Mm. And for, for uh, just cause, right? The, the, the rebel archetype is there for a reason. And so Aquarius is like the sign that follows Capricorn, just like the planet the Uranus, which is really, really important as well. And Uranus rules Aquarius in modern astrology. And Uranus follows Saturn, the planet that rules Capricorn. So there's a shift from Capricorn and Saturn to Aquarius and Uranus, more in the mental realms and freedom to think in new ways. And we, I'm sure you agree, and the listeners agree that we need new thinking to evolve. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. The new ideas, you know, Aquarius is the water bearer. So it's like pouring or connecting ideas that come straight from the universal consciousness. We're ready for this galactic wisdom and knowledge to fuel our growth. So collectively, we may be feeling this rebel energy. Am I accurate to say that? Yes. Okay. What are some of the shadow states of that kind of energy? Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's of course the shadow of everything. So important. <laughs> well, you know, the rebel without a cause people who are just joining into the fight just to cause chaos and mayhem with no constructive purpose. That is the obvious shadow side. Uh, Aquarius is really a unique frequency and it also celebrates individuality, right? So Aquarius is really unique because on the one hand, it is the sign that reminds us to be our true, authentic, individual selves in all ways. And that has not been easy for most of us for most of our lives. Mm -hmm. So that is uh, difficult or challenging, but so important, right? The world needs us to really be our true selves. And uh, so I often uh, tell people who come in for readings when they're strong in Aquarius that you're unique and maybe a little bit ahead of the times because Aquarius mind and thinking really is new and uncharted. And uh, so it's exciting, but also it can feel a little bit alienated from other people and other signs. So the other shadow of Aquarius is feeling a disconnect. Uh, from other people because they're so into the cerebral aspect of consciousness. Mm, That's interesting. I know that we're going to cover this later, so I'm just making a note, but I wanted to later then touch on, is there something coming up where some of this rebel energy is going to crystallize into some order because it is feeling very Uranian and a little bit chaotic right now. I don't even need to say a little bit. It's, it's feeling crunchy right now. And I think a lot of us are hoping for some groundedness and some stability once we figure things out, whatever that looks like. So I'm hoping that that's in our stars coming up soon. Is that, is that happening? <laughs> yes, yes, it is uh, more and more. But to be, to be really honest, and you know me, I'm a very optimistic and mm. I believe very much in peace and love and compassion, but I'm also a, a realist too. And, and I can see the bigger picture, like all astrologers, and we'll get more into the details of this, but 2020 and 2021 and 2022, especially those three years, are the, it's all about the deconstruction mm. of systems 
and structures and paradigms and consciousness that no longer serves us moving forward. So those have to break down and that's where the chaos comes in. But if we can understand it, then we can embrace it better and not resist the changes and to allow the crumbling to occur to create space and room for new growth. That's happening, it's really soon. It's just around the corner and we are building it together. Mm. As much as I wanted to hear that 2022 would be the time where we can all party together and everything would be great. I do also sense that it's going to be a little while longer, but everybody hang in there. We still have a little bit of time to figure it all out. So let's get into that Neptune energy that brought us into January and February of this year, where we potentially felt a little bit more compassion and empathy towards the whole situation. Mm-hmm. So people, I think, are somewhat familiar with the uh, this symbol, uh, these two symbols, the, the south node of the moon and the north node of the moon, two very, very important points in space uh, based on the moon's uh, orbit around the earth intersecting the earth's orbit around the sun. Really, really cool, magical points in space. And the south node is our evolutionary past and the north node our evolutionary future. And so in 2021, for all year, that was south node Sagittarius and north node Gemini. And so we were really learning to open up our minds to new possibilities. That's the, the beauty of Gemini, to really see new possibilities and to open our minds. So uh, anybody who really allowed themselves to think in new ways, to embrace life like a, with a Zen mind, a beginner's mind, that's the way forward. And uh, the old uh, ways of Sagittarius, the shadow side of Sagittarius, as I think you know, Jessica, mm. is holding on to rigid belief systems. Yes. One of those sides. And like, I am right and you're wrong and all, all of that really intensity and, uh, that we saw in 2021, still seeing it. So Neptune has been in Pisces for many years now, between 2011 and 2025. Uh, Neptune is in Pisces, the sign that it rules. So we are currently in a long lasting and really important and beautiful spiritual renaissance. So there's some beautiful words for you there and for the audience, because I really, really believe in the power of this. This is a very important cycle that's not often talked about in astrology. So Neptune came to uh, this 90 degree angle between the South Node and the North Node. And so the Neptune energy, Pisces energy was really strong and the collective in the early parts of 2021. And on the, the shadow side of that is like Neptune and Pisces is water, is ocean energy. And many people, I think, felt lost or at sea in the world. Like, what is going on? I can't see up from down. Confusion and disillusionment are the shadow sides of that. It's fascinating. And it really, really is. And the symbolism is so powerful, right? I'm seeing in my mind these waves. But what we, ha- what we do, and I'm putting my hand in my heart right now, whenever we feel confusion, I feel the messages to drop down from the mind that can no longer serve us into our heart and to trust and invite uh, the universe uh, to guide us more, mm. to surrender more to the process. In the Gene Key system, the gift state of confusion is imagination. And so I always liked that, that 
transmutedness of that shadow, what it transforms into, because it doesn't create any solid thinking, just allows time for play at a moment where you may be feeling like nothing makes sense. So I wanted to ask you about spiritual renaissance. What do you mean by that? Mm. Neptune has a cycle of 165 years around the sun, right? So every 165 years, Neptune comes uh, back into Pisces for a 15-year period. And if you go back into history, there has been always these waves of a new kind of spiritual paradigm or even a new kind of like religion forming, for example, or there's just hope to see to see the world through the eyes of the heart, through love and through a beautiful new imagination, which is the other wonderful magic of Pisces and Neptune. So what do you think is, what do you feel is forming right now as this new form of spiritual awakening? Whew, there's... <laughs> There's so much going on. And I think for most people, it's hard to decipher or filter out so many different ideas or energies coming at us. Um, but the Neptune is part of it. And so you asked me what the meaning was. Mm -hmm. I, got, I got distracted there for a second. Well, well, you were mentioning that in the past, there are these spiritual moments of spiritual renaissance where a new religion would be birthed or a new faith system. What do you feel is forming right now? just your best guess. Yeah. Well, I see people, right? I see clients a lot. And I really get this feeling that more and more people are awakening to uh, a higher state of consciousness where compassion and love are more important. That to me is the, is the magic of Neptune and Pisces. And so I'm seeing that more and more. And in my community anyways, it, it, we're really centered on that. And so I, I really, really see it and I flow with it. So I think that the invitation is to, to surrender, to accept more guidance, more support from the universe. The universe really has our back. The universe has always guided us. You know, coming back to the stars that you mentioned at the introduction, why I love that so much, because the stars have always guided us. Mm -hmm. They don't force the guidance on us. We have to look up and see it, but it's always there. And so the, the stars to me are very, very um, compassionate, very, very powerful and very inspiring always to really, they're cheering us on and they can guide us when we accept their, their support. And when we, when we open our eyes and our hearts to see that and accept that more and more. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I've been hearing a lot about a split in consciousness and I don't know if this works in with your system that you work with, uh, but that there is quite a lot of pushback now that we're feeling so much change and a lot of people are waking up for lack of a better word. I like that word, but you know, there's so much in it. Um, I think that's a good segue into what February brought us with some of this revolution consciousness. Can we get into that? Mm -hmm. Well, here we go. Here's the crux of the astrology of 2021. Uh, so we mentioned Uranus, the planet, uh, you know, which is about freedom and revolution, right? When you think about Uranus and the fact that it was discovered in 1781, a lot of the meaning that we get from the, the new modern planets comes from the time when we discovered them. So 1780s, 
that was right smack in between the American revolutions and, and French revolutions. So that was really strong in our psyche at that time. And so it is strong in our psyche now this year. And perfect, really, the powerful symbolism is really, really strong because uh, Uranus is making the square aspect and 90 degree angle to Saturn, the planet that was for millennia, the last one in our solar system, the edge, the boundary, the limit of possibilities, right? And uh, so Saturn in its best way is about like order. It does represent order and stability in this world and we need healthy limits and boundaries, right? And Saturn does bring out the best in us. It does represent uh, wisdom and excellence and integrity. However, the shadow side of that is like uh, holding on to authority at all costs and control at all costs. And we are seeing that many, many forces, uh, uh, government and other agencies really, really strong on the Saturn end of things, trying to control and not always consciously. And so Uranus is there in, in this uh, cosmic dance to, to uh, challenge the authority of Saturn more and more. And so three times in 2021, Saturn and Uranus became exact in this 90 degree square. The first one in February, the second one in June, and the third one coming up in late December. So there's so much more I could say about that. And, uh, you know, Saturn, I think uh, I said it represents structures and systems. When you think about it, uh, you know, we can ask ourselves, do the systems and structures of society really support and benefit everyone at this point? If you think about the healthcare system, the education system, the financial system, do they really have all of our well-being at heart do they really help us <laughs> i don't think so and uh so it's not me for me to judge but just to be the messenger for the, for the astrology here and so uranus is challenging that and any system or structure that loses integrity will crumble mm -hmm. and so we're just seeing the acceleration of that because it's the time for that they no longer serve us and we need to make room for new structures and we're going to build them together in community. That's so fascinating as we see the rise in cryptocurrencies and the rise in homeschooling and the rise in alternative medicines is just being another option for people to explore right now. And sometimes it's a forced option, but I find that with evolutionary astrology, that's often that gift that we get that's hard to define as a gift when you're in the moment, but just this real shove into the next phase of life, whether we want to accept it or not, is kind of a blessing in some instances, because if we go on with this linear, fast-paced life, who would change anything? Who has the time to change anything? So I think this is its a really nice optimistic outlook on what we're going through at the moment. And that's important to have as we contemplate why this is happening and as we contemplate what we're choosing to believe in at this time. So I wanted to get into what's going to happen in December, but do you want to cover that later or does yeah. it feel more natural to go into it now? I, uh, I want to say a little bit more about the Saturn Uranus square. I, uh, you know, uh, we mentioned about Aquarius and you asked me more about Aquarius a while ago. And uh, one really cool thing that happened in actually, I think it was uh, February of this year, there were six planets in Aquarius. 
Uh, at the new moon in Aquarius in February, we have the sun, the moon, Mercury, Venus, Jupiter, and Saturn. And we had never had that much Aquarius energy since 1962. That leads me to talk about the 1960s. I was born at the last wave of the 1960s, and I just love that because that, that decade was really powerful, really, really intense, and was really planting seeds that we're still growing now. That was not that long ago. And think about the 60s and how much inequality there was in the world that was really becoming obvious. It's still there today. So this decade is really reminiscent of the powerful movements that were started in the 1960s and have only reached a certain uh, degree of growth. And we need to keep on pushing for equality and justice and fairness and sanity and compassion and all aspects of life. When I think back to those punk rock eras, which is pretty cool to think that we're in one right now, there was a lot of violence that happened during those times, a lot of anger, a lot of outrage and destruction. Are those necessary to revolution or is there any other option? Oh my God, that is a fabulous question. I think that's a question, honestly, that is beyond astrology. I can just share my own personal ideas. Like, can you have a revolution uh, uh, that is peaceful and compassionate? I think it's possible. I'm thinking, for example, uh, about Gandhi and uh, the liberation of India. And, you know, that was a massive, massive time. Uh, and uh, it was uh, relatively nonviolent, but still. There was still a lot of violence, even then, even with an amazing teacher like Gandhi. It's, uh, you know, I think it's good to, to be open to the possibility of like standing in that frequency, the higher frequency of change with strength and ability and determination and perseverance and with peace in our hearts. I think that's the invitation that we can try to. Mm. We can subscribe to this spiritual renaissance that's happening right now that's birthing a new consciousness. I think it's really possible that we can do this, if not for this season, for the next upcoming one, really planting the seeds of how we can change minds while also being vulnerable enough to have our own minds change and to figure things out together. Fingers crossed. Together is the right word, you know? I, I, I forgot to say one thing about Aquarius. I talked about how it teaches us to be our true authentic selves. And yet also Aquarius is, is the sign that understands that we are all sisters and brothers in one big human family. Mm -hmm. So the idea of community and world family is also at the heart of the wisdom of Aquarius. So when we understand that, that we are all connected, we're all in this big blue spaceship, together as one family, you know, as one love, as one of my favorite astrologer, uh, Aquarians of all time said in his famous song, talking about Bob Marley, Aquarius son. Oh, I love that. And to follow along with that metaphor, think about a family. They're not all the same and we can't misinterpret unity as all thinking the same and being the same and looking the same and wanting the same outcomes and having the same values. So if we can get to a place where we can honor our, our diversity together, boy, that'd be a good time. 
Mm-hmm. Unity and diversity. I've heard some people say, I like that. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you wanted to mention on the uh, those exact squares that happened in February? I think we covered it for for uh, for for February. Um, one more idea. I have so many ideas that have been coming to me lately. Uh, again, I think of metaphors a lot of the time, and I think about that uh, this intensity, the square between Saturn and, and Uranus, especially. Um, uh, I'm thinking of contractions of like birthing pains, and that we are really birthing a new consciousness. So the idea of birthing has with it physical pains of contractions. And so when those squares become exact, it's a bit like that. Mm -hmm. So as we slowly and powerfully birth something new for all of humanity. Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. Has you heard that before? No, that's great. There has got to be a reason why birth is so painful. I've thought about this often actually. And it's got to be that it's preparing you for something, you know, there's so much purpose in our biology and, and the universe could have made it easy on us, but it didn't for some reason. And so I think that there's a message in there somewhere around embracing the adversity, embracing the challenge, because at some point later on that strength that you gain afterwards is going to make sense. Right. It really prepares us to be really, really on conscious, open, that's what I think we all are, are <laughs> kind of squeezed to be, just be open mm-hmm. to allow the birthing process to occur and to allow the chaos around us, you know, to, to allow it all, surrender to it all. Well, that's the first wave of, uh, or the second wave of, of uh, Uranus and Saturn. Let's fast forward now into early summer. What are some reflections we can have from that time? Right. And so the other big story to tell about the summer is the fact that uh, many planets went retrograde. And in case some listeners don't know what retrograde means, uh, all the planets are always moving in space, right, in forward motion. But from our perspective, it appears if you were to track the movement of any of these planets, it appears that they slow down in space and actually appear to go backwards. It's an optical illusion due to other reasons, but that's what we see. And so uh, Saturn, Jupiter, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, and Chiron all went retrograde for most of the summer. And so there was a wonderful thing here about retrograde movement, and we'll talk about Mercury retrograde also in a moment, Um, but uh, the retrograde is about going within. So we have this invitation for the summer months to slow down. And I did feel like the summertime was more of a slower time, thankfully, because we needed time to process, digest, kind of really rethink our lives personally and collectively, right? Where are we going? Who am I? What are my gifts? Uh, What is my life mission? So we had time to go within, to journey within, to try and find the answers or to accept a new vision for what's possible. So that was a big story of the the summer. And also the other word that I wanted to share that came with me is, uh, so this allowed for deeper awakening and deconditioning. A lot of what's going on at this time in history is letting go of old conditioning of what our lives could be, what human life can be like. So deconditioning as well. 
That was great timing. I like to think of retrogrades as a moment for divine laziness. And if you have created a life for yourself where you can slow down truly, oh, what a what an amazing thing to have built into the cosmos this season for all of us humans, maybe animals too, I don't know, where we're encouraged and sometimes forced to not move forward. So could you touch a little bit more on Mercury retrograde? Because we're going through that right now and I'm going to release this episode in the next couple of days. So we'll still be in it. Yes. Mercury retrograde is the most uh, well-known of the retrograde movements, right? So Mercury retrograde happens three times a year for a period of three weeks each time. And we are currently in one, as you said, from September 27th to October 18th. So we're still uh, very much in it. And I, <laughs> a lot of people hear a lot of bad news about Mercury retrograde. It's becoming more out there in the, the mainstream world, more and more people are getting to know about it. However, they're not hearing good things. They're hearing about, oh my gosh, Mercury, Mercury's retrograde. I'm having so many technical problems. And it's it does seem to be true that there seems to be more hiccups around technology and communication and transportation issues and delays and that sort of thing. But I, I'm a huge fan of Mercury retrograde. Whoa. Uh, I've never heard that before. If you all are wondering, I'm experiencing Mercury, Mercury retrogradiness right now, which is why we didn't have an intro to the show because my laptop exploded. So, Hey, there you go. No editing software. <laughs> so then what are some of the reasons why one would enjoy Mercury retrograde? Okay, so I have often, I'm a Taurus and my Mercury is in Taurus. And so my world generally spins a little bit slower, I would say, than the average person's world. And I've often felt my entire life, why is everyone rushing around so fast? Like, what's up with that? I didn't understand it. Um, and I came to realize, thank goodness with astrology, that just more about my natural rhythms, right? Everyone has natural rhythm, but the world is very mercurial. Mercury rules transportation, communication. Uh, we live in a highly mercurial world and where communication and technology and transportation is uh, rules our world. Think about all of the trucks and the trains and the planes and the cars right now moving around the world, transporting equipment, food, that's a huge one. Uh, and and uh, just how much communication is happening. And I think it's really, really wonderful. And I think that everything in astrology is perfect and divine, of course. And that's, that's the beauty of really understanding it all, that there's a purpose to this, of slowing down our communication processes. I would love to live in the world where when Mercury was retrograde, we understood that it was time to slow down, mm -hmm. to devote more time to meditation and contemplation, going outside and hanging out with the trees and, you know, and just slowing down and, and ground and coming back into our bodies as opposed to constantly stimulating our minds. So I think it's wonderful. And I always look forward to Mercury retrograde because even though I was not born when Mercury was retrograde, I kind of feel like it almost was because my mind generally is a little bit just more slower that than, uh, than the regular speed of the world, which I think is too fast. I agree. My brain just went off into a, an imaginary world while you were talking. And I was <laughs> thinking about other aliens coming down into earth and thinking that we're more Mercurian 
rather than earthlings. And I don't know where I was going with that, but um, yeah, I guess it, what would it mean to be more earthling, to be more earth-like? What, what would rule our planet that we should praise more than this Mercury God that we've really adopted? Mm, yeah, what a great question. I'm gonna, you're making me think about this sign Taurus. So I'm gonna talk about Taurus because Taurus is really the most physical and earthy of all signs. And one of the big planets this year in the story of 2021 is Uranus in Taurus, right? So we really are energizing Taurus a lot. And with Uranus is the changes, is the revolutions in Taurus. And so Taurus can rule uh, finances, economics, you mentioned cryptocurrency. The financial markets uh, are really kind of crazy right now. Uh, you know, there's so much turmoil, so many changes. Uh, that it need to happen. I, I, I really, when you think about the shadow side of money, I, we could just devote many podcasts to that, mm -hmm. you know? So that's the, that's the shadow side of Taurus. It's not the magic and the spiritual teachings of Taurus. The spiritual teachings of Taurus is really to come back into the physical body and really honor our body as a, as a divine vessel, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, we are so connected to the earth and we forget about that, you know, the modern world with its focus on money and profit and enterprise and all of that has really forced us to disconnect from nature more and more. We just consume, you know, uh, resources all the time. Whereas I, I, I really, really, like many people, have often reflected on the fact that there are many indigenous communities around the world that have always lived in harmony with nature. Why is it that, that some of us can't, right? There's something that really needs to shift and coming back into earthy, basic, fundamental principles of living in peace and harmony with the world. So I, I forget your original question, but I, <laughs> I wanted to talk about that. I think it's so important to come back to earth, to come back to realize that we are human beings, not human doings just to be in harmony with the world, to live a life of integrity and peace and balance with the world is I think a very, very noble and wonderful and beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. You know, exactly that sentiment there has me questioning the future of cryptocurrency. I like it more than what's going on right now, but I really feel like the answer is more in resources that the earth provides. So working with land resources and animals and food getting back to a trading type of society, but maybe that's just my Sagittarius wanting to keep things the way they used to be. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, exactly that, like getting back to being more of an earthling rather than uh, a Mercury, Mercurian being feels good to me. feels right to me. I think just uh, having commerce and trade is a really normal and natural. And that has always been the case too, but in a way that is fair, that is sustainable and ecological, that does not harm the earth or other human beings. Mm -hmm. It's really that simple and that profound. All right, let's get back on track here because I feel like I could go off track with you for hours here. <laughs> Tell me about the world. Um, so back in June and July, we were feeling tensions growing stronger. From the uh, the the uh, retrograde movements. Um, well, you were you were mentioning something about an exact square between Uranus and Saturn that I don't think we had touched on yet. 
right? We didn't, oh, okay. Yeah, the three exact squares between Saturn and Uranus, first one in February, the second one was in June. And so the tension was really growing because uh, there was more energy now into the square between, ten, between Saturn and Uranus, between the focus of like control, authority, uh, you know, all of that. And, uh, and we got to do it a certain way and the rigidity about that. And, uh, and then Uranus too, this, the freedom of like saying, no, I don't agree with this system. Is it the only way to do this? Uh, how can we, um, you know, heal uh, by respecting everyone's individual rights and freedoms? So I don't know if this has been a term or not, but I'm, I'm coining the term, the freedom movements this year. There have been many, many freedom movements, protests. Oh yeah, I forgot to say that. There have been massive protests around the world. I think you know, Jessica, and people who, uh, who follow alternative news know about it. But if you read only uh, the mainstream news, you don't hear about them. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of that's filtered out, but they're real and they're powerful, just like in the 60s. Really, really big uh, protests. And I was thinking about a quote by Angela Davis, who was one of the key people in the 1960s for the freedom movements uh, for women and, uh, and for Blacks and for many people. And I love this quote. And I, I wonder if you've heard it before. She said back in the 60s, which is so applicable now, I am no longer accepting the things I cannot change. Oh, wow. And changing the things I cannot accept. That's beautiful. So now in June, we're then getting the second dose of medicine, right? The first one we got in um, February. Yeah. And so it came back around and this is the big dose. And then we get a third one later this year. Yeah. So okay. we're, we're, that's why it just has been flowing. The medicine has been flowing all year long. The cosmic medicine. Oh. <laughs> I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> we resist medicine. I love that you said that word. I think I, I, I like that word too. A spoonful of Netflix helps the medicine go down. That's been my thing. <laughs> <laughs> So that was the June and really into July too. Uh, so that, that's been the thing. And then with the retrograde movement, so there was time for a lot of organizations and movements to, to, to get together and to plan ahead for the next steps, right? Whether you're freedom fighters or you're just like your people on the front lines and you're just like a conscious human being to try to think ahead of what we can do, right? And so uh, I'm gonna segue to October now. Right. in October and this month uh, four planets of those that we mentioned are going to go direct motion this month from October the 6th to October the 18th there uh, we're going to see Pluto and Saturn and Jupiter and Mercury all go direct that's going to really really change the flow of energy to an acceleration there's there's a quickening and I think some people who are conscious are really feeling it already. There's gonna be a quickening more and more and more. An acceleration of the, what I'm using now as a metaphor of the dance of life. And so when you say stationing direct, that means moving out of retrograde. Right. Okay, great. So now as we're entering in this Libra season, what can we expect? How can we work with this energy? Yeah, so we are in Libra season. We're having a new moon in Libra this week. 
uh, on Wednesday morning, we're going to have the sun and the moon and Mars exactly conjunct together in the sign of Libra. And so uh, this is always, a, every, every new moon is always really, really powerful, an opportunity to plant new seeds of intentions for the next four weeks, right? And Libra is the time of the year, which is all about social connection. You think about when you're when you were younger too, back in school, we made friends in the fall, in October especially. School started, so the systems were in place, and now uh, there was this idea of getting together and doing things. Many friendships and romances form in October and during Libra season. Libra is the sign of balance, of harmony, of social connection, and grace, and uh, it's one of the most social of all signs. And so there's a huge birthing of this energy of like people coming together. And, uh, and because Libra is also a somewhat romantic and it's ruled by Venus, the planet of love and beauty and art, I have this metaphor of this dance of life. And, uh, and with Mars so, so strong these days, Mars is very, very strong because it'll be conjunct the sun for at least two weeks, if not more. And that happens only once every two years that the sun conjuncts Mars. And so the Mars energy is very, very strong right now uh, for most of October. And Mars is the cosmic leader and warrior and pioneer within us. So as a leader, we, I feel we are called to lead a new dance, to initiate a new dance with people, to have the strength and courage to step up and to join the social conversations and to be as strong and as brave as we can be and as graceful and diplomatic as we can be as well as we engage more in creating more social connections and, and communications of all kinds. Could you speak to leadership from an astrological perspective? What is your next level, next level leader like? What are some of the personality traits that that person might have as opposed to a lower functioning um, stereotype of a leader? Thank you. Uh, great question. Again, I was reflecting on this and just the other day I attended uh, or uh, I heard one, one talk uh, by, uh, by Amanda Pua Walsh, who's the founder of Astrology Hub. She was invited to speak at this conference called uh, uh, Leaders uh, Awakening. I forget what it was called exactly, but it was all about leadership. So the timing is really perfect. And the organizer of the event, I don't think didn't know that the sun's conjunct Mars at this point, but what perfect timing to have a summit or a conference on leadership because Mars is the leader within us. And so I heard some great things in that conversation that I believe in very, very much strongly. And we're over the time when leadership had to be a certain way, when a leader had to be strong, confident, uh, and really taking charge and really, really being the center of a, of a room and talking loudly and all of that. It really relates to Mars as a very kind of like masculine energy, right? And, uh, and there's more and more talk about the toxic masculine side, which we need to let go of. And because it's, it has not always been centered in the heart space. So the new empowered leader, I feel, uh, is all about empowerment from the heart space and is realizing that everyone is a leader in their own unique way. And again, that's the magic of astrology because everyone has Mars somewhere in their birth chart. 
So that, so that leadership archetype is there. And for some people, it's obviously strong. And for other people, it's more subtle, but it's always there. So we can be a leader really, really in obvious ways and like take the microphone and, you know, and, and take charge that way. Or quietly in the home, being the, the leader in the home by maintaining a frequency of peace and love, by, by really uh, maintaining uh, silence, uh, you know, um, in the mind. There's so many ways of, that we can uh, be a leader, and we're refining and redefining what that is. Where is your Mars? My Mars, I like my Mars. Uh, <laughs> I like being in my chart because I tend to be a pretty quiet person, but I do have Mars in a fire sign. I have Mars in Sagittarius. So I can get fired up when I'm passionately talking about something like astrology. Uh, very, very passionate. So great. I'd love to go over a couple more signs that are a little bit different than what we might think of when we think of a leader. What are some more subtle Mars expressions? Well, Mars, for example, if it's in a fire sign or an air sign, those are the yang signs. <clears throat> so they're more obvious. Mars in a water sign or in a earth sign are more quiet. Except maybe for Mars and Scorpio, that's very, very powerful. Because uh, mm. Scorpio is a very passionate sign and it's ruled by Mars as well. So Mars and Taurus or Mars and Pisces, Mars and Cancer, those would be the quiet kind of like spiritual leaders. Oh, that's beautiful. It'd be neat to write up an article on different types of leadership based on astrology. Okay. I wanted to back up a little bit and talk about relationships. So I know in the form of astrology you teach, there are no hards, hard and fasts. What, what does that mean? Hard and no rights and wrongs. So I'll just say that. <laughs> um, but I've heard that in retrogrades, when you meet someone, the rule is you're not really supposed to take that seriously until it's after retrograde in whatever planet we're talking about. And then you can reevaluate the relationship. Just wanted to get your thought on that. What do you think? That's a great thought. I, honestly, I haven't thought about that exact notion before. So I'm just kind of being very spontaneous right now. Hmm. I, uh, because I'm a fan of retrogrades, I don't see them as problems. <clears throat> so I'm going to reflect on that some more. And I'll get back to you on that one because I really feel I have to meditate more on that. But I, I really feel that beyond retrogrades, it's not only the, the only factor in a relationship, it's, it can be one of many. And I still think the timing of you meet someone that triggers a strong uh, emotional response in you is meant to be there for a reason, whether or not it's retrograde. Mm, great answer. All right. My next question on relationships as it comes to astrology is in October, you were saying that a lot of relationships happen in October. Is it priming you for a really heartfelt relationship or is it a time when you're feeling needy, like you need someone? What's the energy like? Mm. Ever since last year, the, the pandemic started, I've really been reflecting on the deeper magic of all the signs and all of the symbols. And I think it's time for all of us to redefine every symbol in astrology in a new way uh, from a more empowered and conscious perspective. So for Libra, so, uh, you know, forming relationships uh, that are more conscious on all levels. And so, 
you know, they can be professional relationships. Like this is a professional relationship that's really, really, really important. You know, we can have relationships with everybody and anybody. And um, they're all important because we all are in this dance together, you know. And so, and there's times when we need to, to take the, the uh, to initiate the dance and also be willing to accept the dance back and forth, you know. So I'm not sure if I answered your question. Yeah, it was the correct answer. It's just not the answer that I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the easy answer, but it's the right answer for sure. <laughs> so uh, let's talk a little bit about this retrograde that we're in right now in, is it in Libra? Yes. So how might we work with this Mercury retrograde right now? Right. Thank you. So two thoughts on that. So Mercury and Libra is about relationship and it's also about uh, the, the an air sign. And one thing that I, I want to make sure not to forget to say that what's one of the cool factors of 2021, I think I mentioned this last time as well, is that every time that Mercury has been retrograde this year, it always has been in an air sign. So Gemini, Aquarius, and Libra. And so, sorry about that. And so uh, this is another kind of like reminder from the universe that we are really invited to rethink how we think and how we relate to ourselves, Mercury and Libra retrograde. So it's a beautiful opportunity to reflect on all of our relationships and our relating patterns, our relating conditioning. Mm. How are we supposed to relate? I think we're, it's really in a time right now where it's important to, to question and rethink how and what's the best way to relate to ourselves. And because we often forget that, that fundamental relationship we have is with ourselves, right? And uh, when you think about the psyche, <laughs> there's a whole bunch of stuff going on there and it's not always a cohesive relationship. There's many different parts of us. And I love that in astrology, we, in our chart, it's a reminder of how the planets are different parts of our psyche and they all need to communicate with each other. We also have relationships with, uh, with everyone else, of course, which is so, so important. And we tend to overemphasize those, but also coming back to the earth, our relationship with the planet, really, really, really important. And our relationship with, of course, I'm going to say with the stars, very important as well. If there's somebody listening to this, wanting to do some of this work during this retrograde to find these reoccurring patterns or ways of being that might not be serving them anymore, whether it's internally or externally, how would you suggest they get started with that kind of work? Mm. Um, learning uh, about your birth chart is always a good place, you know, and there's many uh, free resources online. You can just, that's the wonderful thing about this day and age where there's so much communication and information available. So you can access your birth chart and get so many interpretations online. Of course, consulting an astrologer, a coach, uh, anybody uh, to help us understand uh, ourselves is always a good thing. And there's so many ways of doing that. When you started astrology, you were doing it back before you could just generate your chart online, right? Yes. Old school ways and, uh, and a lot of books. And uh, I didn't have a computer back at that time, although I did have one 
before then, but at that particular time, I was uh, on the West Coast and just starting a brand new life, a hippie life there, very, very simple, very few belongings. And, uh, but uh, I had astrology books and I had a friend with the computer and I could generate charts. And uh, it really, as you know, it changed my life. Uh, I had a powerful spiritual awakening, which then led to astrology to help me really understand who I really, really am and uh, how I'm evolving too. It's such a powerful and wonderful, beautiful gift from the universe. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite tools. Absolutely. So let's get into the full moon of this month. What do we have coming? Yeah. So October is a huge month. The, the new moon is very, very powerful uh, with a strong Mars, like we mentioned, and the full moon on October 20th. <laughs> wow. I had a look at that this morning. It's really intense. We have a T-square. So the sun is still close to Mars in Libra on the one hand, opposite uh, in Libra, yeah, and opposite the full moon in Aries. It's always a strong and feisty full moon. Plus, that full moon will be conjunct Aries, the goddess of discord, the patron, the patron saint of chaotic creation is one other new term I've heard for her. Really, really powerful. Eris is the sister of Mars. Very, very powerful. All about fighting for justice. <clears throat> that already is mega, mega intense. But they both square to Pluto. Pluto squares all of that. And Pluto, the lord of the underworld, agent of, of transformation, power, passion, and purpose, really charging up that whole full moon. It's one of the most intense moon cycles I've seen. I can't imagine a more powerful one. So, you know, hang on to your hats and, and uh, <laughs> you know, stay safe somewhere. And, and, uh, and uh, I have, uh, you know, it is, it's, we're all going to feel the, the, uh, the sacred warrior inside of us. You think about Mars, Eris, Pluto, uh, Aries, um, and uh, I, I had this new idea. Well, I have, it's not new, but this archetype, uh, this sacred warrior, really, really, really strong. It's not time to just sit back and just like watch the show. We're getting involved mm. uh, one way or another, whether we want to or whether uh, to, we have to choose to either engage with the dance of life consciously or it's going to push us into the dance one way or another. How are we going to act? What are we here to do? This full moon in October is really the crunch maybe of the whole year where we are really going to feel the call of our sacred warrior to really act in accordance with our deepest, truest values and um, intelligence to, to like do what we are here to do in this lifetime. It's really, really that powerful. I'm, this is just for fun, but if you were to guesstimate what might happen on October 20th, what would you say? You know, uh, there's so much crazy stuff happening almost every day. Mm. Uh, I, I want to think positively. I, I have, uh, it's obvious to think about all the chaos that could happen in that day. To be realistic, there's going to be. And not just that day, but this whole month. Uh, all of the, 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 these, um, these four planets that are going direct motion, there's an acceleration, right? A quickening of the flow of energies all over the place. 
And so all month long, but in the full moon could be a crescendo of lots of things happening. There could be lots of uprisings. I know a lot of my friends who are in the, the, the Uranus side of the equation and who are like pushing for lots of protests and reforms and petitions and actions and government and all of that. So, you know, we're going to see a lot of stuff. And uh, one image that I'm going to share with you now is an image that just came to me is a volcano. Eruptions all over the place. And I think they could, they could affect and uh, flow into any aspect of life. Uh, the, the government systems, the healthcare system, the education system, the economic systems, uh, all of that. We're going to see so much activation all month long and into the end of 2021 and into 2022 as well. <laughs> it's not just one day. Okay. So then if we're working with that energy in a high vibrational way and we're sitting at home and we want to work with it, do you have any suggestions on how we might be that positive, optimistic warrior that's still making change happen and leaving that low vibrational warrior at the front door. Mm -hmm. uh, thank you. I really feel that uh, it's important to stay as calm and as centered as possible. Just that is, I think, excellent work because we're just, the, the winds of change are blowing so strongly now and, and will over the next uh, few months that uh, the more calm and centered we are, to make sure that we are clear, that we get clarity in what actions to take. That is really, really, really important. Otherwise, we can get easily get swept into an, uh, an action or a movement that feels important in the moment. And maybe we're not always conscious about that really the best way or the most uh, uh, effective way, constructive way to work with this energy. So taking our time to really uh, to sit with ourselves to ground, to meditate a little bit every day, deep breathing. I put my hand in my heart uh, every day. That's a way for me to feel more centered. And I think from that play, place of like centeredness and with the intention, right? What is our intention? To be really, really clear about that, to be clear about our intentions, and to be clear about our values and our beliefs and let that inform our actions. So really getting clear on what you believe you believe. Yeah. And anchoring yourself in that, because I can imagine an, an underdeveloped warrior spirit is following a king that he doesn't or she, or they don't really believe in. It's just the thing that they've been hired to do, the, the thing that they've been cultured into being. And so something that's coming to mind is um, like a Zen warrior, a a martial artist that's rooted in the flow of life rather than in the, the chaos of reality. Yes. I like that. The Zen warrior, I use the word sacred warrior. Zen warrior feels really nice too. Yeah. For the fighting for and fighting, I, I don't even know if that's the right word, but acting for, you know, an agent of, um, uh, for evolutionary change that is all about like uh, compassion for all beings. Mm. So what does November bring us after all of that? 
November seems like a, a little bit less uh, intense than October is. We have a new moon in Scorpio. And just a brief note about that is that uh, that new moon in Scorpio will be opposite Uranus again. So Uranus comes back. Just, Uranus and Pluto are so active in the collective energies this year, so, so strongly. So again, the idea of like revolution, and uh, but authentic movement, authentic change. You know, to really, and the uh, the new moon in Scorpio is very passionate. Scorpio, as you know, is a very passionate, emotional sign. It's not intellectual, so it can get again easy to be swept up into the emotional undercurrents, right? And uh, that tr can trigger us, and so Uranus can <laughs> take us for a ride. So it's so important again to to maintain that centeredness and that peaceful center to be able to. In some ways, um, another astrologer was saying that just the other day, uh, to remain as much as possible in the eye of the storm, to observe the storm around us and to engage when we feel that it's the right time and we know, we know what to do and then come back into that place of like uh, clarity and peace within the eye of the storm. That's beautiful timing actually to come right after that intense full moon in Aries this type of energy that's encouraging us to explore emo our emotions after all of that has happened to give us a different kind of courage to explore the depths of transformation that are now happening on a whole new level. Yeah. When you really, and as you know, Jessica, you, cause you know, the cycles really, really well, there's a beautiful and amazing wisdom in the sequence of the signs of the cycles, right? From new moon to new moon, uh, from Libra, the air, to water of Scorpio, to feel, yeah, to anchor that wisdom into our feeling center, into our emotional intelligence. Beautiful. All right, that brings us to December when we get our final dose of this cosmic medicine. Yeah, the final dose of the Saturn Uranus square. You know, to be to be to really to be accurate, it's not quite the end. There's more in 2022, but it's the oh, last. There's boosters in 2022. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, sacred medicine, um, and that's so interesting. You know, of course, many people are thinking about the vaccine right now and how a hot topic that is, and we've been very good at avoiding that that topic so far. Yes, we have. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so Saturn and Uranus, you know, it's just so much bigger than these specific, um, you know, uh, messages. And so, yeah, the, the Christmas Eve, December 24th, the final exact square between Saturn and Uranus. And so at the end of the year, which really does, you know, when we, these planets become exact, it's not just for one day. It's really about many, many days, actually, where the energy is very, very strong. And that flows us into uh, early 2022. If I could just back up a little bit, if you could remind us, I know we had talked about it in February and June, but then in December, what is it again, that energy that we're going to be working with? So it's the third and final square between Saturn and Uranus. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that's when we're outgrowing, continuing to outgrow these structures, just in time for family get togethers, just in time for these fun conversations to merge. Oh my gosh. I know the timing of that right on Christmas and the holidays. Uh, so uh, yeah, the world is really changing before our eyes, you know, 
And I think that people coming back together again to celebrate uh, special days like 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 the winter solstice, or, which is the the main holiday around which the the holidays, the modern holidays, are are, are created around, right? So the winter solstice again. We, we began this this talk with the winter solstice of 2020, yeah, and now we're into the winter solstice of 2021, and uh, another powerful time of of, of change and. Um, where we kind of, I love coming back to these four fundamental energy points in the year, the equinoxes and the solstices. It's really a, a, another divine opportunity to re reflect on the bigger picture always. And uh, we're creating community more and more. And I, I want to believe that 2022 will be smoother than 2021. I think it will be. And again, beautiful placement at the end of the year with this final dose of medicine or almost final dose being at this time where most of us will get together with our families and friends. And at this point, we've had enough conversations with people with different opinions that we should be better at creating unity in our diversity, hopefully. But I think, I think that's what the medicine is teaching us and Christmas time, all those holidays, just a really great time to really practice what we've been learning. Exactly. Exactly. And I've noticed it in myself too, because uh, I'm like, I, you know, as you know me, I'm a pretty peaceful person all in all, but I have noticed in the last year, I, I get charged up and, and quite passionate with some of my ideas and thinking and, and, uh, but coming back and I, th I think it's okay for people who are listening to when they, when you see, we all get triggered. Right. But I think that the, the key is just to like not get hung up about being triggered, but to quickly come back to place of centeredness again and compassion. Mm -hmm. yeah. We're all learning this more and more. Okay. Take us into early 2022. The big change of early 2022 involves the lunar nodes changing signs. This is like, and so close to 2021. And uh, we talked about that, how important those are, our evolutionary past, South Node, and our evolutionary future, North Node. And every 18 months, they change. So we're moving away from South Node uh, Sagittarius, rigid belief systems, North Node Gemini, open curiosity, and uh, uh, conscious compassionate communication, which is what we're talking about, which is so important that we're all learning that. And flipping to South Node Scorpio and North Node Taurus. And uh, this is really powerful and really, really important. They always are, especially when they shift. So January is when they shift. And so Scorpio and Taurus. And uh, I know this is strong in you, Jessica, to Scorpio and, and Taurus. And so you know the shadow side of Scorpio very, very well right and it's emotional it's intense it's dark and uh it's into the shadow uh, aspects really really strongly and all of the emotional kind of chaos that we can experience is the shadow side of scorpio that we are learning to let go of in 2022 so 2022 the invitation to evolve is about taurus and that again comes back to something we spoke about earlier which is the embodiment of the physical being, right? A return to simplicity, to, to what really, really matters in the world. What really is important for every human being? Is it having immense luxury, uh, you know, or is it about 
peace. I think more and more people are going to value peace. We kind of took it for granted in most parts of the world. And so I think in 2022, we're going to really um, learn more to appreciate the value of peace and simplicity and coming back to fundamental ways of living in harmony with the earth. And so we're going to talk a lot about currencies again, because Taurus mm. <laughs> rule money and currency and financial systems and all of that too. And, and food, agriculture, really, really, really important. Our food systems, our basic security, Taurus, really, really important. And we're going to have lots of conversations about that. So right around the time when this switch is going to happen, is it that we're going to be feeling one last blast of that Sagittarius and Gemini combination? Or is it like, what does that shift feel like? <clears throat> yeah, this is still new for me to reflect on all that. Mm. <clears throat> but you're right. The, uh, the, the points when the, uh, the change begins and when they end are always the, the, the biggest uh, parts of the cycle. And so in early January, when uh, the nodes are going to get to the, uh, the end or actually the, the beginning of, of, the, of both of those signs, we're going to activate again that, that, uh, that axis of like uh, belief systems versus conscious communication. It's going to be so, so important to maintain healthy, compassionate communication moving forward. What an exciting time. You also had mentioned um, before this talk something about um, getting back to your body. And I see here in this document that you shared with me, which we're going to share with all of you as well, somatic he healing and veganism. Could you speak a little bit more to that? Because that's kind of interesting on here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's kind of came to me today as I was pre preparing this document. Um, you think about... Uh, 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 somatic healing. This is a relatively new term for me. And uh, uh, so it, it's really all about that. Uh, you could talk about it more than I could actually, because, but I just remember people saying it's really about the body embracing our physical intelligence more and more. And this word embodiment, I think, ties into that uh, really coming into and accepting our human body and loving our human body more and more. And Taurus really is the most physical of all the signs. You know, I'm, I'm a Taurus son, and uh, I, I, uh, I reflect on that. One of the biggest questions you can ask yourself when you know your birth chart, why do you have that birth chart? Mm. Why was I born with a son in Taurus, for example, so that I maintain my identity and my vitality best by connecting with nature a lot and with physical uh, you know, staying strong in my body and keeping things simple and real because <laughs> part of my consciousness is in outer space a lot of the time, right? So I chose well to be, make sure that I would stay in my body uh, and Taurus, I think it can do that uh, and teaches us that more than the other science does. That's why I love my, my moon in Taurus because I'm so Scorpio, but having that chill grounded energy, just like, thank God. <laughs> Thank God I'd be flying off into space, into the depths, I mean, into Hades. <laughs> and veganism, you know, that's more of a, of a touchy subject, but it's a growing movement. Have you, have you noticed? Like it's really, really growing and more and more and more. I'm seeing commercials on YouTube talking about eating less meat and more plants. I think we're going to grow more and more in that direction. 
the 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 meat industry is not sustainable or compassionate and so i think that in 2022 with this north node in taurus and the, this more and more talk about food and food supply and food security we're going to talk about that more and more it just makes sense i think for for so many reasons as well the sustainability of the planet it just takes so much energy and resources to produce meat uh, as well too right mm -hmm. so I think that just kind of came to me. Well, we've been thinking about this for a while now, but I think with the North Node in Taurus, opposite Scorpio, uh, we're going to really see that, feel that, uh, and the need for this change to more plant-based diet. Uh, it's not going to just. Uh, I'm not. I'm not saying it's the the solution, but I think we're going to see a natural tendency towards that more and more. It's an interesting topic for sure. It's a challenging one for me personally. I've been. Uh, I switched over to pescatarian about a month ago and I was a huge meat eater. I was in the fitness industry for a long time. And the religion of that of fitness is that you eat lots of meat. And so every bit of science that I'm aware of or that I subscribe to or chose to pay attention to said, you know, you need this amount of protein at every meal and the highest quality of protein that you can get into you is animal products. But as I've been... I don't know, just feeling myself more, I've come to feel like that's less and less true for me at the moment. And I don't know if it's tapping into this coming energy, um, but it's challenging for me though, from a systemic point of view, because then we see these things like Beyond Burger and some of these really processed substitutions for meat that I totally disagree with. And so there's like a lot of messaging that's coming across that are conflicting. And so it just brings to light the complexity of all of these systems really working together. One of my big challenges with going vegan, which um, I think it actually is in my future, but I have to figure all of this out is just the way that our food is grown. And if I'm going to commit to only eating vegetables, I need to make sure that there's they're of substance. We're finding that the vegetables that we're eating these days, just from the grocery, even the organic stuff from the grocery are so lacking. And there's an incredible amount of stuff that needs to change before the food that we get from our grocery store is actually a viable source of proper nutrition. So we don't have to eat as much food. You know, we need to start talking about regenerative farming and then we need to talk, talk about population. That very, very tricky topic on how can anything be sustainable with so many people on the planet? So yeah, there's a lot, but, um, we're, I'm jumping ahead. At least that'll come in 2022. <laughs> yeah. It's a big topic, right? It's really, really, really big. Like food is the, the uh, it's such a core reality. We all need to eat, right? And so I think that uh, 2022, more and more people, awakening people become more conscious of what they eat. And I know for me, I, I'm like, I, I have lots, uh, lots of, uh, you know, improvement to go. I know that's one of my shadow sides too. And so uh, with Taurus, with moon and cancer, it's such a comfort thing for me and it's not conscious. <laughs> <laughs> so more and more of us are going to really feel that. And like, you know, how can we do this? And, and coming back to Aquarius, because that, that uh, you know, uh, dynamic between Aquarius and Taurus, uh, I spoke about Saturn and Uranus, but also between Aquarius and Taurus is the other part of the conversation. So I can, I can say one more last word about that. And so Taurus, so we spoke about that, uh, the food security, for example, and uh, really, 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 really important. <clears throat> so with Aquarius coming in, that's also the sign of genius. 
So I think more and more and more, we're going to see new solutions, new ways of farming that is a more um, sustainable, that just is just more efficient, and how to do that in urban areas too. Mm-hmm. Vertical growing, for example. Uh, I haven't explored that topic yet, but that's what I see more and more, which is very exciting. Absolutely. I wanted to rewind a little bit and talk about some of the shadow sh- shadow sides of Scorpio, because you'd quickly mentioned that I know what they are. I definitely do, but I would love for us to sh- explore that together for everybody listening. What are some of the energies that we should be aware of in the shadow states of Scorpio as a collective? Uh, um, I'm thinking about my daughter who has moon in Scorpio. And so I, I've uh, seen Scorpio and, and the beauty and the magic and the ugly side of it, uh, you know, uh, my whole life. And I also am thinking about the, uh, and I was just listening to a podcast, uh, one of your podcasts, a random one that I just happened to, to see and listen to the other day. And you're talking about Bruce Banner and the Incredible Hulk. And oh, I thought, yeah. Wow, that is so cool. Uh, because I often think about uh, that archetype when I think of Scorpio and the shadow side of Scorpio. Scorpio is the most emotionally charged of all the signs, right? And as best, it's about really helping us to tap into what we are naturally and think uh, authentically uh, passionate about, what we really, really care about. Whereas the shadow side of Taurus can be so calm and just zend out that it's not losing its passion. So Scorpio can remind Taurus to, and my daughter and I have had this conversation many, many times. <laughs> well, so uh, she's learned about Taurus and I've learned from Scorpio uh, from her to really feel uh, it, that it's good and important to feel strongly and passionately what we really, really are. But the shadow side of that is when we're not centered and we're, we're flying with emotions that can be really, really edgy and really uh, even destructive. Like the Incredible Hulk, I feel is a little bit like that. It's a combination of Mars and Pluto, the transformation and the Scorpio, just pure emotional driving all of the anger and there's no logic there's no there's no consciousness there it's just pure emotional mayhem but it's emotional and that's where i feel scorpio and the hulk have that in common oh yeah yeah so we can watch out for finding ourselves stuck in bouts of depression being stuck in the darkness and as a prescription we can look to taurus to get grounded and rooted and to take care of our bodies before we try to solve the problems of the world. Yeah, whenever we feel ourselves a little bit off center, uh, to go outside uh, if possible, as much as possible, and just, just being outside, hearing the birds, sitting on the earth, really sitting on the earth is so simple and so powerful and, and a quick way to come back to our center. Great. So to wrap this all up, how would you summarize what we could look forward to in the next coming months and early next year? Uh, well, I just was thinking about that a lot. And, um, you know, uh, we're right now we're in Libra. We're just a couple of days away from the new moon in Libra with a strong Mars. And so to, uh, to come back to what I said earlier and to really come back into the dance of life again, 
you know? Uh, the metaphor that I had was like, we're all invited to a cosmic ball. Are we all going to attend? And if we do, are we going to dance? Are we just going to sit in our corner? Are we going to engage? Are we going to like meet people and introduce ourselves and dance, you know? And if someone invites us, uh, are we going to say yes to the dance, right? So the, it's a very simple kind of metaphor about like just the connections between people and the relationships that we have. And how can we foster more love, more connection uh, with all our relationships? I think that moving forward is really, really important. It creates such a solid foundation for what we're going to be coming across in the next coming months. Thank you so much for joining us today. Where can people find more about what you do and dive deeper into this work? A uh, good place to, to start is my website, uh, richardmalletastrology.com. And so my uh, I write articles every new moon and full moon. They're all there. You can subscribe to my newsletter and uh, receive uh, this, this document as well. I'm going to get that up there. And also uh, you can sign up to my Patreon community as well. If you really love what I'm saying and you love astrology, I offer more information and more weekly guidance in my Patreon uh, community. I'm also yeah. on Facebook too. Facebook, yes. And you spell your last name? M-A-L-E-T-T-E. -T -T -E. Great. Richard's Patreon is excellent. If you like this overview of months, you're really going to like the weekly updates that he gives the cosmic forecast for things you can expect day to day. It's so helpful. I literally plan my weeks around them. So thank you for that. My pleasure. Yeah. Thank you, Jessica. This was really, really fun. Always is. All right, folks, we will talk to you soon and make sure you check out Richard's website. Thanks everybody.